Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. The current uh, divorce, divorce rate in America has uh, trended downward some from estimates as high as 50% to closer to 39%. I'm assuming in a crowd this size, even the word divorce conjures up many feelings and emotions. Some of you likely cringe when you hear the word. Others look back at a time and a period that has gone and passed of yesteryear of brokenness and heartache. Some of you feel the terror and the nightmare because divorce stands on your doorstep and it stares you in the face at this moment. Others of you feel the brokenness for maybe not personal experience, but for those that you know and love because that's was your parents or your brother or sister or your children or grandchildren, a niece or a nephew, a close friend. You know the word divorce and how it breaks. Some of you, though, here may hear that word and there's a sense of pride that swells up in you because you think that's not me. I've got 40 years behind me or 20 years or whatever. But the reality is for all of us, when we approach this topic, we recognize there's a need for grace. There's a need of grace for those that are in the midst or have walked that broken road. There's a need of a reminder that, as Paul says, where sin abounds, no matter what you feel about that past broken relationship in your life, that divorce and how that ended, whether you think it was all your fault or their fault or some mixture in between, the reality is Paul says that where sin abound, grace what? It abounds all the more. There's grace today. There's grace. For those of you that maybe haven't walked in those shoes, there's a reminder that you too are in desperate need of that grace. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And so if you've walked that road and you've not faced that yet, let that be a reminder to you of God's grace unto you. But today's text, listen, as great and as heartbreaking and as rampant as we see divorce in our culture, in our homes, in our families... We face an even tougher issue today. It's this question from Isaiah chapter 50 verse 1. And it's simply this. Would God ever divorce his people? And you need to ask today. Would God ever divorce me? Would God ever divorce his people? Specifically, you need to ask the question. Would God ever divorce me? But see, when we're asking that question, would God ever divorce me? It's not specifically a question just simply of how bad am I, right? We all know the depths of our own depravity. We know our own weakness and failures and sin and struggle. The question is even greater when we ask this. What we're asking not simply is how bad am I, but we're asking how great and how good is God? That's what we're really after. Because if we're honest today, listen We all know the brokenness inside of us. We know if we're being truthful, that man or that woman in the mirror does not deserve or has not earned anything. And so what we need to know, is there actually a merciful and gracious God upon the throne? Because if not, we are all going to experience eternal divorce and separation from a holy and perfect God. 
So let's ask and get after that question today. Would God ever divorce me? And the answer is going to be no. And the reason why is because Jesus Christ, the servant of God, defends you. Hear it. If you're wondering this morning as we start today, have anything I've done too bad? Have I messed up too much? Hear it as we start this morning Would God ever divorce you? The answer is no, because of the servant of God, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, who is coming. But let's hear of the destruction of the relationship. Beginning in verse 1, as the prophet Isaiah writes, again, somewhere in the period of 740 to 680 B.C. You're looking 600, 700 years prior to Christ's coming. The prophet Isaiah writes these words. Beginning in verse 1. Thus says the Lord, where is your mother's, and here we have it, this certificate of divorce, with which I sent her away. There's a question, right? Is God divorcing his people? This is a real question. And I'll be honest with you, it's a tough one. Commentators fight. They they divide on certainly what's happening here, what's meant by this certificate of divorce, what's happening based upon texts like Deuteronomy 24, because a certificate of divorce sets in a chain of events of many things, some that lead to it being irreparable, like unable to come back. That's what we're dealing with. Is it possible for God's people to do something so bad or for you to do something so bad that you've closed yourself off To the grace and mercy of God. And so the Lord says, where is your mother's certificate of divorce? He's speaking to the people of Israel as a whole. He's using personification, a mother of identifying this holistic group with which I sent her away. Or which, he says, of my creditors. It is, is it to whom I have sold you? So the question now is, has God divorced and sent his people away? Or maybe he's just sold them and doesn't want them back. Right. And so we're asking that question. Is it irreparable here? Right. If it can happen indeed to these people, we need to ask. And well, then will it happen to me? Like what keeps God from doing this to me? Is he doing that to them? If he's doing that to them, then Blake, he might do it to me. Like he might get tired of me. He might get tired of my constant struggle with porn. Like he might just give up, say, that's enough of your porn. I'm done with you. Get out of here. It's possible that my abuse Like maybe it's present or maybe it's in the past or maybe it was to children or or maybe it was to a spouse or maybe it was to other siblings. And you think that what you did and you're wondering today, maybe it's just too bad and God's done with me. Maybe it's your rap sheet of things in the past and what the verdict was issued by that jury or that judge. Or maybe it's the abuse of drugs and alcohol and you just wonder... God, I know I said I would never do that again. And you found yourself back there doing that again. And today you've got to ask a serious question. Would God ever want me back? Because what happens for these people is, listen, it's telling us not simply just about them. It's telling us about us, but ultimately it's going to tell us about who God is. And that's what's most important. Who is God? Marriage is a covenant and it's used to describe God's relationship with us in texts like Jeremiah chapter 3. Listen as he writes in verse 1 of Jeremiah 3. If a man divorces his wife and she goes from him and becomes another man's wife, will he return to her? Like if she remarries and now could he go back to her? Would not that land be greatly polluted? 
You have played the whore with many lovers and would you return to me, declares the Lord. God said, that's exactly what you've done. You had me. I was your God. I was providing all that you needed. I delivered you up out of Egypt. I, I mean, I started this nation from one man and, and he and his wife were old and barren. They'd had to try to have kids and they never could. And I raised up from that one man. And I've given you the law and the prophets and yet you refused and returned away from me. And you went to other gods and to worship them. And so we might wonder in this moment again, is it impossible to come back for God's people? Right? Do you feel the terror, the weight of this maybe in this moment? That maybe you and God have irreconcilable differences? That God says that you've been unfaithful to Him? That you're sleeping with the gods of this world? Like that you can't wait any moment you get free? You have to check what's on Facebook or what's the new Instagram post or what's happening with Tucky basketball recruiting. I speak to myself in these moments. The lovers of the world that you can't for that next weekend, it has to be this sporting event and that sporting event. And and if we ever have time, then we'll go back to church. If we ever have a moment, then we'll give that to God. We are beloved. Listen, we're chasing the gods of this world. Don't be deceived in this room. It's not a little God on the shelf, maybe, like the other nations and these people back in the antiquity used to worship. But we've got our gods, and often we carry our God in our pocket or in our back pocket. But let's don't act like this is them and we be us. No, we know full well what it's like to worship other gods. The danger of debt, listen, he says, or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? The danger of debt is real. What would often happen is the, dan- the debt will become so, the, the debtor will become so indebted they would have to sell their children into slavery. They would become indebted to that person and they would begin to serve them and their families. That's what happened in 2 Kings chapter 4. This lady's a widow, so now she has no means, right? Usually it's the man that would provide the financial income, and and he's now died, and she's left, and her two sons are there, and all she has is a little bit of oil, and she's indebted to this person, and she knows that debtor is going to soon come and take even her children away. That is, until God steps in. Until God sends His servant by the name of Elisha, who performs a great and mighty work, and the oil does not run out. Some of you need to be reminded today because you feel like your situation is dried up and hopeless. And there is a God, listen, there is a God who can still cause the oil to run and run and run some more until you might be able to say in the presence of God's people, my cup, what? It runneth over. So how is God's people? How do they get here? Listen, that's what, I mean, that's, that's what we're after, right? I mean, like, we want to know, like, how do you get to such a place? Like, am I in danger of getting to that place where God says, done with you, BJ, out? Listen to what it says. Behold, four and four. So we have two explanations or causes of why this has happened. Behold, he says, for your what? Iniquity. Some translations just render it sin there. For your iniquities, you were sold, right? Iniquities indicates the perversion of the heart. The the heart that's just, it's after other things. It loves things of the world. It says because of that, you were sold, right? So it's explaining, right? So it isn't God just being Captain Meanie Pants and like, I'm just going to smite you. This is like the people, listen, they've done this. We've done this. I've done this. 
You've done this. Let's don't play games in this room. Come on. Let's be straight shooters. This is us. It is 700 years, 2,700 years removed from us, but man, it, the same old story keeps playing. They keep playing that song, right? The jukebox keeps hitting, right? Somebody don't even know what a jukebox is. Not that I have lots of, right? It keeps, it's like on a repeat on, on, on your, your phone or whatever, right? It's, it's, it's just looping. Anyway. Behold, for your iniquities you were sold, and secondly what he says, and for your transgressions. The transgressions is like rebellion, right? So it's like when your parents tell you, like, clean up your room, and you decide you're not going to clean your room up. Like, you go in your room, you slam the door, you lock it and put music on Megadeth 60, right? I mean, like, you prove, like, there's no way I'm doing what you've asked me to do. That's what this, this is transgression is. It's rebellion against God. Like, God, I know what your word says about that situation, and I don't care, and I don't want it. And here's the danger. Listen, you think it's no big deal. You live any way you want. You do whatever you want. The Word of God warns that that will cause us to be sent away. And the text is going to end in verse 11 with people that are going to be sent away forever because of that. So you think you're seeing it. Listen, you think it's not a big deal. You just, you keep doing that. It's, 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 it's okay. I don't care what God's Word says. I'm just going to do what I want. Listen, these these people that walk by their own light, he's going to say in verse 11, they're going to go and end up eternally separated from God. I mean, this is, I mean, this is, this is challenging. Right? And if you were with us a few weeks ago in verse 14 of Isaiah 49, the people, they heard all this, like some good news of God coming. And they said, listen, God, I hear that, but I'm telling you what I see is we're in captivity in Babylon, God. There's no temple. There's no like, listen, I don't have my property back. I don't see my friends and neighbors in their homes. This is not us living out of underneath. We're no longer, right? We're, we're under this oppression by the Babylonians. We can't worship God freely. I mean, listen, I hear what you're saying, but verse 14, Isaiah 49, they said, Lord, it feels like you have forgotten us and forsaken us. You ever been there? In that funeral home? In that hospital room? In that bedroom underneath the covers, feeling forgotten and forsaken by God. God responds further to that accusation in verse 2 here of the text in Isaiah 50. Again, we're trying to understand how did the relationship get to that point. That's what Isaiah is showing us. He wants us to see how the relationship ended up here. Verse 2. God says, why? When I came, was there no man? Why, he says, when I called, he says, there was, was there no one to answer? So listen, listen what God does. Two things. When I what? I, come on, call and response here. When I what? I came and when I what? Called. You know what God did in the very beginning? He came and he called. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, right, have fallen. They, they've eaten the forbidden fruit. They realize immediately, right, that they were what? They were naked, right? They ran and hid. And what does it say in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, that in the cool of the day, God came what? He came, didn't He? And then He did what? He called to the man, Where are you? See, God is consistently who He is despite our sins and failures. And hallelujah! That is such good news! 
that His response does not simply depend upon us being good enough. Because if it was, then we all are getting the certificate of forever divorce today. We're getting it. But Genesis 3, 8 and 9 says there is a God who came and He called. And that same God who is the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. Isaiah, or Hebrews 13. That's Jesus. He came and He called. Right? I mean, this is a God of mercy and grace, isn't it? Pursuing His separated people. This is a God who came by and you wouldn't open the door. This is a God who called and you wouldn't answer. I got maybe just a personal confession and some of you have probably done this too. Sometimes I just want to know the value of the relationship with somebody. All right? It's just being transparent. I may have done it with a few of you in this room. It's possible. And so here's what I would do, right? So sometimes I just wonder, like, man, what do they really think about me, right? Like, how valuable am I, right? This is a little narcissistic. I, I, you guys know I struggle with that, right? <clears throat> it's, I've got identity issues, right? We need identity ultimately in the cross, but I'm just kind of just unlating the veil down, just being straight with you. So I would come into like to, to a place where I knew that person and they didn't see me and I would pull out my phone and do what? I'd call them. And I would wait till they do this. Pull it out. Blake Jesse. Hater button back in the pocket. I'd be like, no you didn't, right? I'd be like coming across the room, right? Like, yeah. I would just want to know, like, like, help me define the relationship. Right? Like, I called and you didn't answer, right? Like, don't hit the hater button on me, alright? Like, sometimes I like, Emily, I start blowing up, like, dude, seriously, you're not seeing it, like, you're not hearing, right? Some of you are that way. Some of you, I'm just gonna give you, like, some encouragement. Turn the read receipts off on your phone, right? It's just causing you lots of damage and trouble, right? Just turn the read receipts off. Anyway, some, listen, some of you are upset with that, that I even said that, right? So, kids, keep it on. Mom and dad will know that you read their message. So, anyway, disregard that. Strike that from, the jury will strike that. But anyway, listen, seriously, sometimes you just want to know, help me understand where the relationship stands, right? So, you pick up the phone to call them. You want to see, will they answer, right? They don't know you're there. So, you want to see, will they hit hater button on you? And here's what's hard. Is that God came and he called and you hit the hater button on him. He came and He called, and His people, they didn't respond. I mean, it's just... And so what it seems is, is listen, this text is trending to say that ultimately the only option is that there's just a divorce. That's just what needs to happen. Right? I mean, He came, He called, they've just gone after all these other gods, they're pursuing all these other things, then the... This is... I mean, you talk about irreconcilable differences... There's a holy and perfect God and then there's us. That's about as irreconcilable as you can get. That is until verse 4. And in verse 4, something changes in the text because someone steps in. And that someone is the third time we've been introduced to him amongst the prophet Isaiah. It's the servant. So let's look and see that there's still hope. Why? Because the servant is coming. Right? I mean... These people haven't, listen, they've not cleaned it up. They've not got it right. I mean, they're still in captivity in Babylon. Some of you are still in captivity today. You're captive to sin. You're captive to the wages and the things of this world. And you're wondering, is there any way that I could ever be free? The Deliverer is coming. As our brother's saying, if the Son has set you free, you are what? You are free indeed. Listen to what the servant 
begins to pick up verse 4 of Isaiah 50. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that. Here's the reason why. That I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. Look, Listen, he is there to sustain. Right? I mean, how might I know, how might I become someone that God uses to encourage and help others in their weakness? Are you ready for it? Listen to what he says. Listen to how he becomes that person, right, that, that God uses, right, to sustain with a word those that are weary. How might God use you to sustain those who are weary? How might God use you in your everyday life and family life and relationships with on job sites? How might God use you at Changers to sustain a weary homeowner? How might God use you to pour into a youth coming up next week? It's on your crew. How might God use you? Listen to what it says. I mean, it's drum roll, drum roll. That's what he says. Morning by what? Morning. He awakens. It's discipleship. It's just this servant spends time alone with the Lord. It's, it's what he, it's who he is. And because that's who he is, it becomes now what he does. He begins to sustain the weary. Why? Because look what it says. He, yeah, he has given me the tongue of those who are taught what's happening in these early morning moments, what's happening in these times when He draws away to be alone with the Lord, just the Lord and His Word. God begins to prepare this servant to be used. Do you think it's going to be different for you? This is how God will use you to impact your family, impact your job, your community, by just drawing away with Him day by day, little by little, spending time hearing the Word of God teach you to pour over your life. This is the one that's coming, listen, to protect us from being forever separated from God. And what we're beginning to see is His life is marked by discipleship and obedience. Right? Listen to what happens though. Verse 5. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. So this one's done nothing wrong. Apparently, according to the text, he's, he's not rebellious. He's not done anything as opposed to the people. And listen to what happens beginning in verse 6. Three things I want to draw to your attention. He says, I gave my back to those who strike. My cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. I don't have it on the screen, but listen to Matthew chapter 27. I guess it would help if I marked it. In Matthew chapter 27, we have the servant experience it. Sorry, Matthew chapter 26, verse 67. Jesus is on trial. Right, we're asking, who is this servant? Because Isaiah doesn't specifically say who the servant is, but he marks his life by his giving of his back, of the giving of his beard, right, to be pulled out, his cheeks to be pulled out, and to give his face to be spit upon and disgraced. And so we don't have necessarily the name of who this person is, but we have three identifiers. And if you see these three identifiers, Isaiah is saying, that's the servant! That's him! Listen to just a small dosage of that in verse 67 of Matthew 26. Verse 66, what is your judgment as Jesus is standing on trial? They answer, he deserves death. And then verse 67, then they spit in his face 
and struck him. And some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ, who is it that struck you? Soon he'll be given over to be scourged and his back beaten. And undoubtedly his beard pulled out. Right? What we see here in this moment is again, this is the servant that Isaiah is talking about. But the good news is, is verse 8 of Isaiah 50 says that God's going to vindicate this servant. And here's the even, even better news for you and for me is that God vindicates this servant by him being crucified, buried on the third day. What? He's raised to life. And then after 40 days, he ascends back into heaven. He's seated at the Father's what? Right hand. The position of honor and power. But listen, this is good news for you. Why? Because this text reminds us that if we will believe and hope in Him, guess what? You too will be raised. You too will ascend upward. You too will be accepted at the Father's right in His places of honor and welcome into His eternal kingdom. Why? Because of the vindication that the servant provides on your behalf. It's earned by His stripes we have been what? We've been healed. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him and by His wounds, by those stripes, you have been healed. It's the hope of the gospel. So what should be our response, right? Because this one has stepped in to vindicate us. This one has stepped in to take our punishment. This one has stepped in as the perfect servant because Israel wasn't. And because of His perfect submission, because ultimately of the cross, these people don't experience God saying, send them away, I'm done with them. Because of this servant, because of Jesus, beloved, listen. No matter what you've done or where you've been, what you've said, what you've touched, what you've tasted, how you've acted, whether everyone knows or nobody knows but you and one other person or maybe nobody but you and God. The good news is, beloved, it's good news. Christ died on the cross to suffer the penalty for your and my sins. That you can be brought back home. That you can be restored. That you don't have to experience being separated from God forever. So let's hear, let's close with just seeing now what is the response because Isaiah leaves it for the people calling them to respond. Look what he says. Begin in verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of His servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on His God. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches that you have kindled. This you have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. Verse 10 and 11 indicate two responses to the servant. And let's, let's just kind of pair them and kind of play them against each other. Verse 10 and verse 11, right? He gives three responses of those who respond favorably to the servant. Three of those who say, I don't want anything to do with him. Right? So here, here you either have one or two responses today. Your sin has separated you from a holy God. You have no way to get back there on your own, right? You have no way to atone for the things that you've done. So you can either today come and receive that He paid the penalty for you on the cross. You can receive the servant by faith. It is a gracious free gift. You would never earn or deserve it. You can respond today by believing and trusting that He paid your penalty on the cross. Or you can say, I don't want that. I don't need that. So you're the verse 10 person or you're a verse 11 person. Let's hear them paired against each other as we close out this text. 
Verse 10. Those who respond. Listen to what it says. Who among you, notice what they're identified as, as fearing the Lord. Obeys. That's what they do. Here's how the fear is demonstrated. By obedience to the voice of His servant. Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love Me, you will obey what? My commands. Lots of people say they love God. Jesus says, show it by the way you live. Show it by the way you live. Show me you love me by the way you live. So notice, watch what happens here. Right again, we're comparing them against each other. Let him who walks in darkness and has no light. So look, so he walks in darkness. This is hard, right? This is hard. This is, is, again, I've shared it some, but... This is hard, right? Because we often don't think suffering could ever be a part of God's plan for us. God bless and I'll pray for those who are suffering, but I sure don't want that to be me or my family. But li- listen, 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 listen. This is, this is hard teaching today. This is hard. So if you don't see the beauty of the one who stepped in for you and took that certificate of divorce and in Colossians 2 and 14 says he took the, the debt that was against us and they nailed it to the cross with his blessed, perfect body and life representing us before God. If you don't see that, if you don't see the beauty in that, then you'll never be able to survive verse 10. Why? Because it says those who obey the voice of the Lord will experience walking in darkness. The darkness is not talking about living in sin. It's talking about experiencing Psalm chapter 23 Lo, though I walk through the what? Valley of the shadow of death. You're going to experience some darkness as a child of God. You still want to follow Him? Listen, this this is what makes it so hard. Look at the people of verse 11, those that refuse to serve it. Behold all you who kindle a fire. Who equip yourselves with burning torches. Walk by the light of your fire. Look, they have light. Or so it seems. You follow God, things get worse. They live for themselves and things get better. How's that fair? Do you feel that? Anybody in here get mad about that kind of stuff? Like, that doesn't seem... Like, I want to kick stuff up. I struggle with some things, right? I'm just... Do you ever just get like upset? Like, that doesn't seem fair. Why us? Why me? Why our family? Why this church? Why, like, like, do you ever, like, yeah! Okay, there's me and like maybe two other people in here. But listen, <laughs> for those of us that do, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, come on. We all do, right? I mean, some of us are more emotional than others. So I guess maybe it's part of the demonstration there. <sighs> I mean, why, why restrict your life to saying no to the pleasures of this world, right? Like, why, why would you walk in that kind of darkness, the world says? Right? Like, why would you say no to those political views or those ideologies? Like, why, why would you refuse those? Like, that just doesn't seem, like, it appears those people have the light and you're the dark one. Like, right? You're the bigot. You're the, you're the one that doesn't understand or doesn't see. It appears that you're living in darkness and foolishness. Secondly, look. Look what else it says here. And has no light. It's not that they just walk in darkness. The second thing is, those who follow the servant says they have no light. But look at the other one. Not only do they have light, look what it says. They have torches that they've kindled. Like they have all the light, it seems. Right? I mean, like, you wonder, like, why do we have to suffer? 
Why does my loved one get sick? Like, I mean, we've lost some great men and women of God in this church. And at times, I'll just be honest, sometimes I wonder, like, why them and why, like, why those other people still living? Like, we, we need that guy. We need that lady. Like, where, where, God, we need, we need their servants, Lord. They love you, Lord. Like, God, why them now, right? I mean, why that person at that age, God, and not, like, I mean, you ever just, just experience just like some hard questions, like you don't understand? There's going to be seasons if you follow this servant where you will walk and you will walk in darkness and have no light. And it will seem like the darkness will never end. It will seem like every time you turn around, Eeyore is following you with that cloud and it just keeps raining. And then you're going to look across and these people not only have light, it seems like they have all the torches and everything going for them and everything seems perfect. How do we know that this might happen to us? Right? I, I want to know that. Like, how do I know this might actually happen to me or to you? Because if you follow the servant way, you will have the servant experience. If you follow the way of this servant, you will experience the thing this servant experienced. Maybe not to the cross. You may not give your life. But you will experience suffering. You will experience mockery. You will experience separation from people that you love and care about because you seem like you don't you don't love them or you don't care about them or you're so close like uh, thirdly says he has no light but he trusts in the name of the lord and look what happens here i want to i want to mark out this this finish he relies on his god some translations render that he leans on his god Listen to the difference between him and them. Those that have the light and seem like everything's going for them now, but they've rejected the servant and the word of God. Listen to where this finishes. This is, this is a real warning. This you have from my hand. You shall lie down what? In torment. The text reminds us it's not just simply about where you are now, but it's about ultimately where you're headed. And so you may experience some darkness. You may be in darkness right now, experiencing a time of darkness, of suffering, of things that have not gone your way, of things you have not, you wish you would have never experienced. You would have not ever picked that for you or your family, the people you love and care about. It seems like others just keep going on their jolly good way. But listen, beloved, for those who are refusing the offer of salvation and this servant who's stepping in on their behalf, He warns that they will lie down in torment. The comfort of this world will not last. Hear that today. The comfort of this world will not last. But the peace and the grace and the goodness of God will last forever. Hold on to that. Maybe some closing application. If God won't divorce me, Blake, then why not just enjoy the pleasures of sin? We've come a long way in medicine, so why not just cut off your arm or the leg of your child and we'll put on a prosthetic? Right? We realize how costly that is. We would never allow that. Right? We would never want our arm cut off or our child's leg cut off. Right? So don't hear this today and think, well, God's, God's so good and Jesus is so great. That must mean that I can just keep on my merry good way. No, listen. The text warns against that living. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, the blessed Savior said. 
in light of marriage and all that's happening here, some of you need to go back to that marriage. No, they don't deserve it and they never will. In fact, you don't deserve it either. But by the grace of God and the goodness of God that we see in this servant here today, is it calling you to go back to forgive as you have been forgiven? Now, I know there's all kinds of qualifiers and things with that and specifically to those who have been in abusive situations or your children. That Listen, they, those things are not always wise. There's other steps you can take. So don't hear that today and run back and put your children or you in a dangerous situation. Let's work together as a church. Let's work together. Maybe legally in some things. But listen, today's text reminds us of the call to forgive and the hope that there is in marriage. Some of you, listen, you live under the same roof, but you sleep in other beds or other rooms. I'm calling you. The Word of God today is calling you. Come back together. What God has joined together, let no what? Let no man separate. No, let no argument separate. Let no foolishness separate. Forgive. You'd say, Blake, they don't deserve it. Neither do you. Neither do I. That's why it's the cross. And that's why what He's done for us. Go and do likewise. And it may mean that you have to walk in darkness and seemingly have no light and they just have their torches even when it's your spouse. To every marriage here, despite where you may stand, I challenge you and your spouse this week, begin reading Ephesians 5, 18 through the end of the chapter. Spend some time talking about how you might live that out. To the believer, listen, don't overlook daily discipleship. Did you see what the servant did? It was morning by morning that God taught him. It was morning by morning that God prepared him to be used. I want to challenge you. Start with just maybe five minutes a day. Would you start with just five minutes a day starting tomorrow morning? Or maybe it's your lunch break or maybe you work third shift. I don't know. Maybe it's during the night for you. But fine, set aside some time, five minutes before your day gets rolling. Most likely it's the best for me. It just helps my mind get focused. Just start there five minutes. To the church. Are we holding one another accountable? Do you have conversations in the hallways or in rooms or in Sunday school classes about your individual morning by morning time with the Lord? Do you spend time talking with one another, encouraging and praying for one another as they suffer and they seemingly walk in darkness? Are you coming alongside of one another, bearing their burdens to the community? How many in this community might believe they've done something that's so bad and so heinous that God would never forgive them? What if today at four o'clock or maybe tomorrow at your job site or maybe this afternoon at the restaurant, right? What if you just shared with them the hope that you've heard from Isaiah 50 that there's a God who can forgive anything, anyone, anywhere, anytime? This community, listen, this community needs it. Changers, your homeowner needs that. The people on the streets around your job sites this week will need that. Let's take this gospel and the hope and the glory of God to all the nations. Would you go? Let's do it. Would you pray with me? Father, in the strong name of Christ, I pray and hope that this will bear much fruit. For my Father's glory, I pray it will bear much fruit. God, for those here today who feel like they've done too much, Lord God, would you just reveal and remind them that the unforgivable was made forgivable because of Jesus, the servant, who gave us back, who was spit, who was struck, who was mocked, 
that we, the guilty, might go free because He paid our penalty. God, today would You draw people here? Would You compel us as a church to individual believers to spend time in Your Word? Would You strengthen us as a church to have spiritual conversations with one another, intentional conversations with fellow believers in this church? God, would You compel us to go to this community and to the nations to take the hope of the Gospel? I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.